0: This is Sean Donovan and you're listening to the guys at Sin Central. I'm Drake Ballerson, you're listening to Sin Central. We just felt as recently as uh, probably this morning that he wasn't gonna be our coach moving forward. All I will tell you is that pretty much made up my mind last night. I wanted to sleep on it. After that, I met with the players before practice. I told them that our play recently wasn't acceptable. And that moving forward, that uh, didn't want any more excuses.
1: But I guess it is acceptable to trade your three best players, tell everyone that your coach is safe until the end of the season, and then fire him. We're four days late to talk about it, but if you follow us on Twitter at Send Central, you would have been the first to know. This is episode 56 of Making Sense of the Sens. I'm Ross Levitan in the TSN studios with Brandon Piller. Hey, what's up, guys? And over the phone, we've got Chris Parliament from beautiful Woodstock, Ontario.
0: Beautiful it is, boys. How's it going?
1: Oh, not too bad. We were just laughing before the show about how we used to plan our episodes around the Sens schedule. What would give the
2: most. Time between games to keep the content relevant. Well, and I mean, usually we would just want to watch the Sens games.
1: Yeah, like. <laughs> well, we, we are watching Bob McKenzie in the intermission right now, but the Sens are playing the New York Islanders in the second half of a home and home, and couldn't even tell it two one I believe after the first period. But yep. so it's about eight o'clock, Thursday, March seventh, and the Belleville Senators are in the middle of a game too. Their same score, same score, down two one. They're uh, hoping to keep a 17-game point streak alive, but we're going to start with the news of Guy Boucher fired by Pierre Dorian just days after being told that he'll be evaluated after the season.
2: So, why the quick change? Well, Ross, you're saying that like you're surprised. When Dorian said that, I could have told you Guy Boucher was fired. That's the ultimate kiss of death. Like, just look around sports almost every single time. It's hilarious that the general manager or upper management says, no, we're not going to fire the coach. He's not he's not going. We're going to keep him, blah, blah, blah. He's gone. And that's exactly what happened to Guy Boucher.
1: We'll get into why he was fired, but I want to stick on timing for now. Chris, do you think this was the right move or to just allow his contract to expire at the end of the season?
0: I think it was the right move because as soon as you move on from a guy like Mark Stone and Matt Shane and Ryan Dezingle, it's pretty clear that you're flipping the page, moving on to the next chapter, whatever cliche you want to throw out there. It was time for Guy Boucher to go because the last age or the last guard of the Senators has gone. So it's time to start a new uh, time in the organization. And I think doing that and moving on from Guy Boucher is just another step in the right direction.
2: Yeah, and to throw another cliche in there, Chris, it's it's kind of like the saying if you're looking to run, you've already ran. You know, like if you're already thinking about the coaching change, you might as well move on from that. And what what would the point have been to keep Guy Boucher and just keep this downward spiral going on if you already know you're not going to have him return next season? So, you might as well hand things over to a savvy vet like Mark Crawford who can at least hold things together for the uh, the rest of the season.
1: Mark Crawford's coached 1,151 games. 1,154 now after his first three with Ottawa. Uh, 21st most all time. So he definitely brings a lot of experience. But we know Pierre Dorian last summer thought long and hard before making a decision whether Guy Boucher was going to return behind the bench. So once that decision was made, you thought that they'd ride it
2: out. Yeah, I don't don't know about that, Ross, because I... I have a feeling that Melnick wasn't really too thrilled to be paying a coach to not coach for him. So I think Boucher was coming back no matter what, especially with how the season before ended. I think they were just going to ride out his contract either way. How crazy is it, Chris, that Guy Boucher's
1: trajectory was the exact same as his first stint in the NHL when he had the Tampa Bay Lightning. First year, they got to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals and lost conference, a, finals. conference finals. Thank you. In a one goal game. The one nothing game. Everyone talks about in 2011. Yep. No penalties. Which is insane. Oh. Wild. Then we don't need to rehash. Chris Kunitz. Mm. And then the next year. No playoffs. But that's not all. Then two thirds of the way through the next season. It was earlier in Tampa because it was the lockout shortened season. But he doesn't even get two thirds of the way through. Is this kind of an indictment on Guy Boucher, Chris?
0: Well, it's clear that the message becomes stale and it doesn't work anymore, and if you're able to come in and set that standard of the one-through-one system and make sure that everyone plays it well, it seems right now it's not a consistent way to win hockey games. It's a way to take teams off guard. It's a good way to create turnovers and get offense going the other way, but to, dom- to try and dominate games in a fashion where you're waiting for the other team to slip up instead of driving the play yourself it looks like right now it's not a consistent way to win hockey games in the NHL so it kind of shows where Guy Boucher's career trajectory goes because it's a kind of a one and done thing in the, in the NHL teams catch on and there's a reason other teams practice as well right so if you're able to game plan against it, it's pretty easy to chip and chase by, and then you've got numbers going the other way. It showed that that is what happens right now. So, I mean, it's pretty pretty remarkable that it was that, I guess, mirror-imaged of each other in Game 7 conference final, losing by one one goal. Sorry, But yeah, it just seems right now that's the only way that he's able to get the job done.
2: Yeah, what what a world. And I mean, when when you talk about uh teams catching on to the one three one system, the the moment I always think of, and this is when Boucher was in Tampa, you guys remember that game against Philadelphia where it was the the first face off, like the they dropped the puck, Philly defenseman, I don't know who it was, just sat in their own end while Martin St. Louis just circled, waiting for them to start. And he just sat there for thirty seconds, just waiting. For Tampa to apply some pressure, uh Saint Louis goes to Boucher's like, what do I do? Boucher says, wait, we're playing the one three one system. The ref had to blow the play down because no one was no <laughs> one was doing anything. Like that's how ridiculously stubborn Guy Boucher was in his own ways. And <laughs> that just makes me laugh so hard. Thirty seconds of nothing.
0: One three one. You want to talk about being stubborn in your own ways? I think a big thing that was uh that added to his departure in Ottawa was the 11 and seven. Yeah. One with 11 forwards and seven defensemen. And so many numbers showed that teams were having success going the other way. And the word stubborn is a good one to use when it comes to Guy Boucher because he always seemed to go back to that. And on a blue line that really didn't have the depths to make it quality lineup.
1: So he, Guy Boucher was always really, how do I say this? lenient with his time with the media. He always gave a good soundbite. His press conferences were never shorter than five minutes. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite Guy Boucher quote?
2: Are we are we starting with me? Yeah, we'll start with you. Well, th- this one, it just brings a smile to my face. And it was trade deadline a couple of years ago, or a little before trade deadline, I think, actually, just just before it. The Sens acquired Alexander Bur- Burroughs. No, not for Dolan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It was such a strange trade, especially when you combine it with the fact that he was immediately extended. But anyways, Burroughs goes on to have his first game with the Sens, scores two goals. And Boucher came up with one of the best lines ever. Quite the uh, debut for Alex Burroughs with two goals.
0: Yeah, I wonder what people think of the trade now. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and just the best part of it, it's it's tough on a podcast because you need to see it. Just the slow grin that creeps up his face when he just realizes he he got all the Sens Twitter uh Twitter sphere just shaken after that comment. It's I just love that little grin and especially it's it's Burroughs with just hindsight is just hilarious.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the extension. He never played that final year, frankly. It's, he's in Laval right now. And he's being, he was bought out, so <laughs> yeah. this, he's still getting paid by the team uh, this in his final year. My favorite Boucher-ism is one that we didn't hear this year because Dorian made it clear that he was going to go crazy if he heard it again. So this is when asked, hey, so do you want your team to skate in an off day between games?
2: I don't think we need any ice time right now. Rest is a weapon and uh, we want to make sure that all our guys are rested, we're healthy. Uh, so we we'll cross our fingers that we stay healthy.
1: Rest is not a weapon in the National Hockey League. You got to practice to get better. And we did see a lot more of that this season. Uh that's not where I have my biggest beef with Guy Boucher. That would be the 117 and how your your seventh defenseman can't get in the game. He's playing 3 minutes like in the third period. You're not going to have any legs. And that's a bit of a problem for me. What about you, Chris?
0: Well, yeah, I, I think you guys took some pretty good ones there. The Burroughs one, yeah, you, you nailed it on the head there. So he just brings a smile to your face, brought a smile to his face as well. And just talking about Burroughs thing, the very Dorian press conference as well, where he said he was getting high fives and hugs from players when the Twitter sphere was going nuts. Yeah. <laughs> That was a strange time for sure to be a Sens fan. For whatever reason, I remember laughing about it on the podcast afterwards as well. Guy Boucher would just sometimes, like you said, Ross, he always would give you really long, good sound bites. But the one we laughed about and brought up on a podcast prior was just a random day in, I think, late in the season. And there was a question asked about what was making his team successful. And he said... We're leading the league with 486 clean zone entries. <laughs> to be able to throw out a stat that specific and that odd in a press conference, right off the cuff like that, that's just something that will always stick with me with Guy Boucher. Just kind of a quirky guy that always gave you a good sound bite, and that was one of my favorites.
1: Hey, he must have been going out for beers with Pierre Dorian and the analytics staff
2: of <laughs> I I feel like
0: that's one of those stats. You know
2: how some coaches have little things that they try to get the backup goalie to keep tabs on, like face-off wins and stuff like that? I feel like Boucher had uh, the backup goalie counting clean zone (laughs) entries and making little tallies on a notepad.
0: Tondo rolled his eyes when he heard
2: that. Yeah. Well, with the way he was playing his seventh defenseman,
1: they could have been in charge of keeping stats on the bench as well because they didn't see the ice too often. Well, it seems like new head coach Mark Crawford is going to employ a rotation on defense. We saw Christian Wolanin in and out of the lineup. So I thought that's why Guy Boucher got fired because Wolanin was brought up. We keep being harped upon. Hey, did you know the Ottawa Senators are rebuilding? We keep getting harped on that, and you're going to see the young kids. Well... When Christian Walainen's brought up, and we know what he can do, Pillar and I see it firsthand in Belleville, why is he sitting in the press box? If you're going to have a puppet, bring up one of the veterans. Bring up Golbev, bring up Bergdorfer, one of those guys. So to see him in the press box, I was like, okay, maybe that's why I got fired. No, Crawford comes in. He's still in the press box. But since then, uh, Christian Yaros has taken a turn sitting. I don't know how... Crawford's going to do this the rest of the season, but it does look like he's not going to go 11-7. So there's that. But what do you think Crawford has to do, Brandon,
2: to earn himself the job next season? Well, I don't even necessarily know if Crawford is trying to do that. Like, I'm not even sure if, if he's trying to become a head coach or if just he's kind of settled for that assistant coach role. But basically all... Crawford's job now is just to try to hold things together and try to try to get something to end this season with a positive note to build off on next season. Just try to keep the guys engaged. try to try to loosen things up. i don't I don't know what he can do, but to to answer your question, we won't know what happens with Crawford till the end of the season. We won't know his intentions. We won't know what the Sens' intentions are with him, so that'll be interesting come off season.
1: Well, Pierre Dorian mentioned at his press conference where Boucher was fired that they will have a, a coach in place at the draft no later. If it's not Crawford, Chris, who should it
0: be? I'm going to go with a guy that uh, Sens fans probably remember and that's Greg Carville. He was with the Senators organization from to 2011 behind the bench as an assistant. And you know what? He's got a good resume. He's been to the Stanley Cup final twice, once with the Senators in 07 and another time with the Ducks. And he's been in the NCAA level the last couple of years, since 2016 actually, at UMass Amherst. And that means he's had a front row seat to Brady Kachuk and Colin White in Hockey East. So I think that's going to be a guy that comes in who kind of wishes he had his hands on young guys like that when he was dominating when they were dominating his teams. And I think this is another important thing. Sorry, another important thing is he was a player as well. And I always like it when a coach was a player. And most notably his time was spent at Saint Lawrence University. He was almost a point per game guy. And he was the most outstanding defensive forward. So a little fun fact in nineteen ninety three in that Ooh, league.
2: Good year.
1: Greg Carvel, a guy to keep an eye on. How about you, Brandon?
2: Well, I I feel kind of bad because I feel like I took the low-hanging fruit on this one, but a a guy that I think could definitely deserve a chance is Troy Mann, the head coach of the Belleville Senators this year, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Let's be honest, guys. The Ottawa Senators next year are basically going to be all the Belleville players just switching their jerseys and living in Ottawa instead of Belleville, so... Who better to coach the team than someone who already knows all the guys, knows their tendencies, knows their personalities? He uh, man's been a head coach in Hershey for quite a while. He had quite a bit of success uh, going to the playoffs a couple times. Till he didn't make the playoffs last season, and they decided to move on from him. He's he's forty nine years old, so he's relatively young for an NHL coach. So I think that's key to connecting to all the young players that are going to be on the Ottawa Senators next year. And for NHL coaches these days, I find a lot of uh, the shift in the mindset is going towards younger coaches that their main skill is communicating and just being able to connect with the younger guys rather than just being a kind of hard-nosed, tough luck kind of gritty coach as some of the older savvy veterans are, like a guy like maybe Mark Crawford, uh, Bruce Boudreaux, stuff like that. So – I think he could really uh do well with the Senators but then part of me thinks maybe he shouldn't be the Ottawa Senators head coach until they're ready to kind of spring out of the rebuild. Because wouldn't it be better for him just to stay in Belleville and he'll have handled the first wave of prospects. I'm talking the Bathersons, Balsers, Browns. But if he stays there, then he's going to get the second wave of prospects as well that are coming from all these players acquired in trades and all the players that are going to be drafted going forward. So I don't really know whether it's better to move him up right away. Or to wait till this team is out of a rebuild and he's fully comfortable with all these prospects and can help them develop even further in their NHL career.
1: The only thing you you mentioned, maybe waiting and having him in a few years, you're hoping for a guy who can outlast three years with this team because... Mm-hmm. Since Brian Murray, and I mean Brian Murray only coached three years after Jacques Martin had nine, which was an ex- extraordinary run, and we're actually yeah. hearing his name. He's an associate coach with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we know what they did with not very much talent on defense the year they beat Ottawa on their way to the Stanley Cup. Latang was out. Dumoulin was out for a while. They were they were really scraping the bottom of the barrel. And, Big time. and still, I mean, they shut out uh, Washington, won nothing to to advance past the second round. They, they really did a lot with that. So, But getting back, I mean, three years, and then you have John Paddock, one year. Craig Hartsburg, one year. Corey Cluston, parts of three years. Paul McClain had four, but one of them was the lockout shortened season, the pesky sends, And then Dave Cameron, year and a half. Boucher, two and a half. Like, you need some stability there. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I like where you're heading with going with a young guy rather than a Bob Hartley or an L.A. Vino. I'm just throwing out names of available guys. But one who I really like, and he interviewed for the job last year, was Benoit Grew. Now, Benoit Grew is a local guy from Hull. Weird. Bear with me. Coached <laughs> 13 seasons for the Gatineau Olympique or the Hall Olympique, wherever you want to go on that one. But if you're thinking, oh, they're just going to hire him because he's local. Well, he was good enough for Steve Eiserman to hire to run his farm team in Syracuse. And... He brought them to the Calder Cup Finals his first season. They won the North Division, and they're doing it again this year. They're they're still atop the division. Um, they've got a 36-17 record. He's just done a great job. He's been a part of uh, Hockey Canada events in the past, being the associate coach for the World Junior Team as well as the under-18s. And I think he would be a great young mentor to... Uh, to bring up, and I should shouldn't uh, sell him short that he's got a Memorial Cup under his belt as well.
0: Well, if you want to talk about stability, Ross, I got one more name to throw in for you, and it's going to be another NCAA guy because he has been talking about it's younger guys that are coming in. Maybe not the NHL experience, maybe another guy that can be added to the fold. Uh, David Quinn recently to the Rangers, Jim Montgomery to Dallas. The guy I'm talking about, though, and when it comes to stability, this guy's got it. It's Scott Sandlin, and his resume speaks for himself. He's recorded a record 19 straight seasons behind the bench for the UMD Bulldogs. That's University of Minnesota Duluth. And when he got there, he snapped an eight-year playoff drought, and since then has won two national championships and gone to the Frozen Four three times. And He's a little kicker at the end of that resume. He's been behind the U.S. bench three different times at the World Juniors.
1: Well, we know how much the Sens organization values that USA hockey lifestyle. Um, talk briefly about the uh, the actual senders here and what Mark Crawford's got to work with. Uh, I kind of like what I'm seeing in terms of breaking up White and Kachuk. Because we know that Mark Stone kind of pushed the pace on that line. But just as I look up, I'm seeing... Uh, Kachuk playing with Anthony Duclair and I want to talk about to you guys about how Anthony Duclair's fit in he's an RFA after this season is he a guy that you want to see stick around here for the next couple years
0: yeah I like him he's athletic and you know what the key word seems to be stability in this podcast and that's a guy who has not had any stability he's 23 years old and he's already played for five different teams if you want to see what Anthony Duclair has got and can give you at an NHL level, you have to give him a shot to stay in the system long enough to be able to develop his skills and be able to play in it effectively. And I think Ottawa needs to get to the cap or needs to get to the floor in terms of salary. So he's a guy that athletic enough, scoring touch. He's young. I think he'd fit in with the group if he stayed long enough. And he's a player that if you want to push the pace next year, I mean, you know, if a team doesn't have a lot of talent, all you got to do is bring effort to the rink. I think if he's able to play fast, he's going to be a guy that can be a game-changer. Not a game-changer, but definitely a guy that can be a positive player in the lineup. So I wouldn't mind seeing him getting maybe two more years in this lineup.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Chris. If if he gets the right opportunities, and like Ross said, playing with Brady Kachuk, I think that's a nice combo. I feel like the two of them kind of complement each other's game. And... Uh, Really, what you're trying to do with Duclair is catch lightning in a bottle. You're just hoping that after five or four teams before you couldn't figure it out and couldn't really unleash just Duclair's true potential, you're hoping that you're the team that can do it. And in a rebuilding team, he's going to have all the opportunity in the world. And the exactly. best thing for the Senators is this is really a, a, a buy low, sell high kind of situation. Like I would say what you're trying to do is build up Duclair. Get him on a cheap contract, which you probably can, and then hopefully either keep him long-term, which the Senators usually don't do, so I wouldn't bank on that, or try to sell him high at a trade deadline maybe next season.
1: I didn't give Benoit Gru enough credit. He was actually the head coach of the world junior team in 2015, and I kind of brought it full circle there, because that's the year where Anthony Duclair had eight points in seven games, and Canada won the gold medal. So mm. he knows how to win as well. But for now, the coaching staff is settled for the rest of the year. And moving on to Troy Mann's Belleville Senators, who have points in 17 straight games, and they've got some milestones now, or some honors, if I... Should say so. Drake Batherson, friend of the show, has been named the AHL's Player of the Month for February. Nine goals, nine assists. Yeah, you heard that right. 18 points in just 10 games. Are we going to see Drake back in the NHL for the, for any more games this season, Brandon? Or would it be smarter? We talked about this for the whole group for the rest of the season. But would you give him a couple more games?
2: In the NHL, no. I think at this point, you, you already fired your head coach. You've been sitting in dead last for God knows how long. What's the point of having Drake Batherson play 11 minutes on a third, third line in the NHL?
1: So what about Rudolph Spalsers, who's up with the NHL team right now, has played a lot in the AHL with Mark Crawford at head coach. He's averaging almost five more minutes per game.
2: Is he a guy you'd keep in the NHL till the rest of the season? Well t- to be honest and you know maybe I'm I'm a little high on uh, Rudolph Balsers but I think I think it's better to send him down too like why not bring a guy like Darren Alter- Archibald up and play in the NHL and have all these guys who you know you're going to be building your future with why not have them all play in Belleville with Troy Mann potential new head coach of the Senators and have them develop chemistry and have them go on this like deep playoff run in the AHL, and if if they have all their prospects down in Belleville, I don't see why this team can't go on a deep playoff run, especially when you're on a 17-game point streak. They're consistent. They're playing well now. I don't see any point in having any of these kind of blue-chip prospects playing in the NHL.
1: We already mentioned that there is a game ongoing, so this will change a little bit, but Utica no longer has a game in hand. At one point, it was up to three. So... That gives a little more hope, and there's enough, there's enough games that, I mean, anything can happen here going forward, but I think I like their chances. I really do, and if Marcus Hogberg keeps up his play, you've been blowing his whistle in terms of, hey, this guy is a blue-chip prospect ever since he was in Linkoping with the Swedish Elite League team, and it took him some time to adjust, as we've seen Philly franchise, the same kind of deal. But
2: this is his 10th straight
1: start tonight. How long could he keep it going?
2: I, honestly, I don't, I don't see any reason for it to stop. And uh, Troy Mann has said the reason he keeps putting Hogberg in these games is because he gives the team the best chance to win. Finally, Marcus Hogberg has a coach's confidence And when I interviewed him last season when he was playing in Brampton, he said the toughest thing he's having with adjusting to playing in North America was constantly bouncing back from Brampton to Belleville to Brampton to Belleville. Now he finally can be assured that he's the number one goalie in Belleville. He's not going anywhere. He knows his place. He has a routine. And I think that's helped him uh, immensely. And obviously you can see it because... He he's been on this crazy run and I, I saw someone tweet out that this is this could be called the Hogburgler run, which is kind of a, a bittersweet uh a play on the hamburglar run, but I, I don't know if we want to bring back those memories. But Hogburger's been playing great and really he's he's progressing to be at a stage where he can be an NHL backup next season. Is that ultimately what you'd expect, Chris?
0: Well, you guys were talking about um bringing Drake up play playing the NHL or leaving him down. and I was going to chime in and say uh, potentially he's playing with more of his teammates next year in Ottawa down in Belleville right now. And I think Marcus Hogberg is going to be one of those guys that gets the call up.
1: Hogberg aside, Mike Condon's still signed for next season. Craig Anderson is still signed for next season. So something's going to have to be shaken up if Hogberg is to make the NHL roster full-time next season.
2: Yeah, and I you mentioned Mike Condon. I is he even a part of this team anymore? Like honestly, like what no one has any news on him. Is he gonna be back next season? Is he gonna play a game this season? We don't know what's going on with him. So basically I I've just kind of dismissed him in, in the future plans because it seems like that's what the senators have done.
1: I kind of recalled Dorian saying eventually he's gonna get his game back in Belleville. But isn't it kind of flipped right now? Like, wouldn't you rather just like be like, hey, you're playing in Ottawa?
2: Yeah, you might as well. At this I wouldn't want to waste a game in Belleville. Yeah, well, he played one game in Belleville and he let in six goals. Mind you, hey, he got the win. Got the win. <laughs> but <laughs> just like Grant Fury used to say, I'll let in five
1: as long as we scored six. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's that. But there's also a lot of other things to get excited for in Belleville. And uh, if you're listening to this in Ottawa and you're upset with the Ottawa Senators or you don't want to go watch a minor league team, play against an NHL team, then go watch a minor league team who are hot right now. And a couple of new additions have helped out immensely. I feel like Vitaly Abramov, he took a back seat once the the sexier prospect got, got picked up in Eric Branstrom. But if you haven't seen it, at Sens Prospects, we have to always shout him out. Friend of the show, recurring guest, Abramov, Scored a beauty on a breakaway in Belleville's 4 nothing shutout win over the Manitoba Moose. And he was kind of all over the place. Feisty, he's little, he can play. And same goes for Branstrom. Feisty little guy throwing his weight around in the corner and play went down the ice. He's all by himself. So his fellow Swede who we were just talking about, Marcus Hogberg, comes out of the crease and gives him a little uh, a little help there in the corner, making it a two-on-two. Uh, we still haven't gotten a chance to see those two. They just had the two home games. We weren't working. We'll be there next weekend, March sixteenth, seventeenth. Who are they 15, playing? Fifteen, sixteen. Who are they playing?
2: Uh, the Rocket, Laval? I'm not sure, but either way, now now that this Belleville team has these added prospects and and has the hope, they're they're finally sitting in a playoff spot. And who could who could think you're in the last playoff spot in your division? And you just went on a 17-game point streak. Like, these guys really climbed out of the gutter to get here. And that's why I think they could go on a deep playoff run. They're not a team that's been coasting heading into the playoffs. They've been grinding. So they have that hunger. They have that mentality that, that they can get this done. And now with some added reinforcements... This is a team that could really surprise some people in the yeah. playoffs.
1: Oh, they're starting to be in the spotlight already because the TSN cameras, Brent yeah. Wallace were there for Eric Brantstrom's first practice. Everyone wanted to get a look at the Swede. Hey, how, how much of your game looks like Eric Carlson's? Eh? Um, well, you know, I respect him. You know those Swedes. They're always so uh, so well-mannered. So, uh, yeah, he, he got a taste. And you could tell he was a little bit nervous just from watching the highlights early in the game. But as his game settled down, he's now got... Uh, one assist, whereas the mob has uh, already a few points with with the Belleville Senators, and I love how Troy Mann's just loading up that top power play unit: Schlappic, Batherson, Brown, Paul, Brantstrom. Whoo! Yeah, is that good? I mean, come on! And it's going to be great. To, I mean, to watch this finish off. We may have mentioned this could go down to the wire because the Toronto Marlies are right there in the division two, and two of the final three games of the season. Marley's B-sense. Who says there isn't a Battle of Ontario to get excited about at the end of this season? We know the prospects have been lighting it up in Belleville, but outside of the immediate organization, if you haven't heard about Jonathan Davidson yet, the other player acquired in the Matt Duchesne trade, well, he suffered a concussion uh, I think the day he got traded to Ottawa, so he hasn't played since, so still sitting at 36 games, 21 points, and if you Now we got to mention friend of the show. Season's over. Joey Decord have a year. 21 wins in 34 games. So now Arizona State awaits the selection show to see who they'll play in the tournament. That'll take place on March 24th. So goalie-friendly show. We hope that they get uh, a favorable matchup because Arizona State's just been put on the map this year.
2: I'm not worried about their matchup. Joey Decord will shut the door no matter who they play.
1: I like the confidence there. Uh, Chris, what do you got? Anything else?
0: Yeah, Parker Kelly uh, in the WHL, he's got 59 points in 60 games. But the reason I'm mentioning him is he hit the 30-goal plateau, which ties his career high. So he's uh, looking to add on to something he's been able to do in his career. And over in my neck of the woods a little bit more as well, Alex Formanton in London is red hot right now. He's got five points in his last three games, and he's well over a point per game pace. So he's been lighting it up, and his speed's been on display again. So he looks back healthy, back at the top of this game, so definitely worth mentioning.
1: And we always mention what the Sens record has been since the last show. So, uh, I mean, I oh, guess we will do oh it God. again. The Senators are 1-3-1 and one since we last recorded. Now, the reason I did that so slowly is because tonight's game could go either way as we're recording. It's almost the end of the second period
2: tied 2-2. You you were going to go was- so slow that a period and a half would go by in between <laughs> reading the record? That was your plan? Yeah, something like that.
0: And, boys, how uh, how, how perfect is it that the record is 1-3-1?
1: <laughs> oh, my try. God. Nice catch. Good catch. The 1-3-1, one, one, the system is dead, and we will leave it at... <laughs> That next time we talk, the Belleville Senators will be closer to the playoffs. And the Senators, well.
2: <sighs>
0: the white flags have been waving for a while.
2: And uh, get some rest, guys. Rest is a weapon. Rest is a weapon.